0: And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar
1: Valiner Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. And we are not talking about (laughs) Wheel of Time today. (laughs) Rithia's been in deadline hell. I've been trying to put my life back together after traveling for most of the summer, first world problems. Um, But we didn't want to put like not anything up. So we decided we're going to do a quick, quick, quote unquote quick, ask us anything about publishing and writer editor life. We posted in patreon and in the discord and uh discord came through in a big way with some uh questions for us about writing and editing and publishing it's all i (laughs) want to talk about given that i've been on deadline (laughs) for like six months brady tell the people (laughs) what being on deadline means
0: (laughs) uh okay the real answer is being on deadline is because is is when your editor is like you have to turn your book in by the state. (laughs) And you say, sure, I can do that. And then the (laughs) date gets closer and closer. And you're like, can I do that? I better do that. And then it gets closer and you're like, okay, I have to do everything that is humanly possible in my life to be able to get this date. And then you don't hit it. Mm. And then you ask for more time and it's very (laughs) awkward.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that sounds about right. right now
0: (laughs) I'm on revisions for a novel, meaning I have editorial notes from my editor, of big things that need to be fixed in the
1: book. So like you've already turned in a first or second draft as the case may be for the editor being like, okay, before we move forward to like copy edits or whatever, we have to fix
0: Mm these, these plot things and these line things,
1: these line things. Well, that actually segues us beautifully into one of our questions, which came from Josh in PDX about the author editor power dynamic. Like what if you get an editorial note that you're like, absolutely not. I don't want to change that. And your editor is like, absolutely. I want you to change that. Like who wins? How do you, how do you find? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know, Jen, what
0: happens when you have a writer who does (laughs) This is what's funny. So Jen Jen is coming at this very much from an editorial perspective. And Jen has been one of my editors before for a story in Swordstone Table. You Although did I think... not
1: like some of our edits on that piece either, if I recall correctly. You were like, no, I don't want to change that. There was <laughs> there was a mo
0: there was a point in which the last section. I deliberately put in present tense yes. because I liked it in present tense and I thought it made sense for this character who had just made this sort of like who was in the process of making a life-changing choice Yes, for that to be in present tense. And then everybody was like, <laughs> This is confusing. <laughs> and I was like, Is it and then I changed it and it's all in past you tense.
1: It. It's all in past tense. <laughs> like I we got you know you're not the only writer who was like okay but I really liked it this way actually we went like three or four rounds on formatting of quotes in different languages oh yeah yeah for one of the stories in fit for the gods which was super interesting actually like there's these like because usually like plot stuff Usually, one person is like, "Oh, yeah." You're like, "You're right." I see. Like when you, once you can, you've explained yes. your reasoning, like you get to yes. where you need to be. But like formatting or like tense stuff is actually really interesting because there mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a right answer. It's just what is going to make the most sense to the reader. But everybody has a different reader in their head involved in like whether you're the editor or the writer. So you can go a few rounds on like these kinds of things. Um, I don't. I don't think there's a rule. I think it's just one person either gives up or like has to admit that the other person's argument is really good. Well, I think it's that. I don't think it's like (laughs) when I say I changed it, it was thinking like I had three
0: people reading this and sort of coming back with the same note. And I was Mm. like, okay, maybe I am, you know, wrong about this. And I had to shift my thinking of sometimes you can get really in the weeds in your writing and you're Mm. reading it a certain way and you Mm. have your in your head what you're in. Intent was and if your intent is obviously not getting a lot like getting across to even the professional readers (laughs) how is it so like even when there's something you disagree with like plot wise or language wise I always think about it that way Mm -hmm. of like what's a better way for me to get the intent of this part across because if it's not coming across and my editor is not picking up on what I am putting down then there's no point in arguing yeah we do we should shift it and figure out how I can get across what Mm -hmm. I want to get across Mm
1: -hmm. well and I think also I think a lot of people may believe that like editors will be like change this to this or like do x y and z when usually we're like I'm not clear on what this is doing here or like do you think mm-hmm. we could move this to somewhere where it makes more sense or like what are what is going on here like what how does this relate to the story and usually it's questions like you're coming at it from a place mm-hmm. of curiosity not like oh you just need to change this line or like take this character out like right. that's not usually what edits are it's just like tell me what you're trying to do here because i am not Exactly getting- um, exactly. or sometimes we will have like an editorial note that the writer will be like, I don't understand what you're asking me to do here. <laughs> also and that then we have to explain like, all oh, right, like <laughs> this is what I meant. Sorry. So it's a very two way interesting collaborative dynamic. I think it is at its best I mean, this at its best.
0: At its best. <laughs> but this is why I always say like books are collaborative projects yeah. because a book I genuinely believe like everybody needs an editor Mm -hmm. and books are made better with editorial because you, you can't see, like I said, when you have in your head already, what you're doing, how do you step outside of yourself and read it and see if you're really doing it? Right. You can't.
1: Right. Which is, you know, so often our frustrations with the wheel of time is that, you know, nobody was had enough time or enough ability to push back on some of what Jordan was doing. And all of our questions, I'm sure it was 100% clear in his head, but it is not clear to us as readers (laughs) and as professional readers. And like, ideally that's what your editor does before it gets to the readers. This helps clarify those things. Like what is, why is Brigitte acting this way? Or like, what is this scene for?
0: (laughs) Is there something we can do differently to, to answer that question readers might have?
1: Like, give us the why of it. Yes. Yes. So that's very much why we think editing is good. Especially because also (laughs) like, I, I try, I like to edit. So please Somebody think that's a good idea? <laughs> um, okay, let's see. <laughs> Where should we go next? There, I mean, do we just... go yeah, ahead go ahead. No, no, you go. okay. I'll go. i I know we could just go in order, but I'm kind of jumping around in my brain here. So this is what's happening. Um, I think we should talk about what writing plotting research software you use because I think that's an interesting and very weedsy question. Sure.
0: Um, oh, that was from yeah. MJ. Yes, MJ asked. And um, this took a really long time to figure out because I know that there's like Google Docs and Microsoft Word and mm-hmm. and all these different things. And it took me a while to sort of figure out what worked for me. Um, so comic script, I do in Microsoft Word. Word is sort of the standard in terms of like what your editor is going to send you comments on. Right. So you may as well send them and, and whatever other open source that will take dot doc right, or whatever right. it is, um, as long as it can read comments and, and do all the track changes and stuff. Although Microsoft Word has been crashing my computer oh, lately my in the worst God. way, but whatever. It's uh, that where
1: it's terrible. It's terrible.
0: But so I use that for comic scripts because it's just like one long document and I don't have to worry about breaking it up usually. Mm-hmm. For novels... I go with Scrivener because I like how you can break it up scene by scene in addition to chapter by chapter. And so it's very easy to find things and I can have all my notes in one place and all my deleted scenes in one place. So the first round of my first draft, when I'm first doing it, it's in Scrivener. And then I transfer it to doc before I send it. And then all revisions are in Word. Mm. And I also use an app called Plotter, P L O T T R which is like a digital sort of cork board mm-hmm. that I keep all my plot threads straight in order by chapter. So I have a very <laughs> quick and easy visualization of like, what is happening where in the novel. It was super helpful for the Spider-Man books because I was mm. like, I don't know where things are going. <laughs> There's so many fights.
1: Oh God. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. I'm yeah. glad that you don't actually have to have like, you know, the Charlie from It's Always Sunny board of like I... strings
0: and push pins and seriously, I whatever. I know we've said this before, but I cannot fathom how Robert Jordan did yeah. this. Right. Like I genuinely am like, how did you like? I think <laughs> about there's this book called Marvel The Untold Story, which is like the history mm. of Marvel comics written by Sean Ho. And he was talking at one point about how Marvel used to have these like massive, like a room full of like massive catalog, like um, mm. file cabinets. Mm. And you could go in there to see what character was where at what point in time in case you wanted to mention it in your book that you were writing. So like if you were writing Fantastic Four and you're like, oh, I kind of want Spider-Man to show up, you could go to that room and be like, oh, I can't because Spider-Man's in like California right now. So he can't (laughs) be in this Fantastic Four book. That analog version of like maintaining something like Wheel of Time, Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know. I don't know how, how, right. There's so many characters. Woo.
1: Spicy. Spicy, So yeah, that's, that's what it is. And I don't (laughs) think I could write the wheel of time. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, who could, I mean, it's truly like out there in so many ways. bananas. Who's writing uh, 14 book series at this point? I mean, I guess the expanse who, is pretty long. That's true. I was about to say, who's investing in 14 book <laughs> series? Well, again, crazy? the expanse, <laughs> that one. Uh, I don't think, I can't think of anything else. Let's see. Okay, you pick next. What do you want to talk about next?
0: Um, I actually think we could go, why don't we, I was going to say, let's just start at the beginning. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, So Pitsbaster and Jennifer P were asking about mask market versus trade some like industry terms like why there are different sizes and shapes of books mm. uh yeah but production is in it's a lot of like history and tradition and also like cost mm. books work on a razor thin margin mm-hmm. like when I tell you the book industry doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, when books like for paper is a whole conversation mm-hmm. Um, because they it's like how many pages is a book? And that's why you see those end pages in, book, mm-hmm. in books is because books, the way the pa- paper is cut and printed is in fours, mm-hmm. like folded into fours. And so it's always that number and Mm -hmm. it's cheaper to have extra pages than it would be to cut excess paper out of the book wild so you i mean and it's been a minute so like Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know mass market is cheaper paper smaller like like it says mass produced in huge numbers yes and those huge quantities can bring the cost of printing the actual book down right um, trade paperback is a little fancier. You'll see the mm-hmm. paper is like a little bit heavier, even though it's still paperback, it's usually got a larger
1: trim size. Mm-hmm. Trim size, um, meaning the actual dimensions of the book.
0: Yeah. Like the literal size of the rectangle mm-hmm. Um, often like picture books and things with like four color and, yeah. and very heavy printed or uh, very heavy paper are printed overseas. Mm-hmm. Because that's where you can get, again, like, more affordable printing Mm -hmm. for larger quantities. Um, Also, I do –
1: I think that, like, paper factories in the U.S. have been – Yeah, there's almost no printing that actually happens in the US anymore. Like very little printing Mm -hmm. happens in the US. Most of it happens in China and other overseas, which is why during the pandemic, when especially when we were still in lockdown, I was talking to a friend of mine who works in production at a publisher and he was like, I have like, you know, 10,000 copies of a book sitting Mm -hmm. on a boat that can't dock in California Yep. And that's like the books are just sitting on the boat and they will be until the boat can dock, which could be like months from like now. who knows, <laughs> who knows. So the yeah. publication delays were largely because we don't do any of our book production in the U.S. for mm-hmm. and haven't for some years for a long but time. Some publishers are working on bringing it back, but it's much more expensive because we don't have the giant infrastructures built up. So they have to rebuild it. So, yeah. And we're in a paper shortage
0: Yeah, and i have we're in been in a paper shortage, shortage.
1: So it's, you know, there's all kinds like, of like things. That's another thing.
0: And then in terms of like why publishers choose mm-hmm. certain editions, um, traditionally it would be hardcover and then year, two years later, paperback, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mass market is something that was traditionally more genre yes. focused. So you'll see it in fantasy and science fiction because- There is an understanding about what those readers might pay for something and how easily you can get that into their hands. Then also there's like the special sales. Like, is it going to be in Kroger? Kroger is a
1: huge deal for books. Yeah. Costco, Target, Walmart, Kroger, like any like uh, Mm non-specialized retail is a big freaking deal. It's a big deal. And they will Um, only take
0: certain types of books. Yeah. And trade paperback trade paperback feels relatively new to me in terms of hmm. like a thing yeah relatively new meaning in the history of book right, publishing right, right, right. right? um but trade paper but you'll see a lot of it in young adult mm-hmm. and even on like maybe the more uh, on the like literary fiction side on the yeah. adult
1: side i mean there's... fit for the gods is trade paper original yeah, and so is Swordstone table like yeah. they don't if it's an anthology it's probably not going to get a hardcover unless it's mm-hmm. YA um or it's yeah, jonathan strahan is the one who like which, published which... it in which case you know he gets a hardcover i, told, I mean this is the other thing which is, is fine
0: like, <laughs> there is this i i think there should be a shift in how we look at what, what versions of books we choose to put out because again, yeah. traditionally it's hardcover because the publisher will make more money on mm-hmm. a hardcover book. Not but much, I, but some, but some, but mm-hmm. I think that's a larger barrier to entry yeah. for readers. Mm-hmm. So are you offsetting the potential reader loss with that small? I don't that's know. It. I don't know what the answer is. I think there should be more paperbacks. Like yeah. I think original paperback, paperback originals. originals exactly. Yeah. Like first like, published in
1: paperback.
0: Yeah. Which is hard. There's there are a lot of reasons publishers don't do it. One is discoverability. It's hard to get attention for a new book already. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not getting that many readers anyways, why not do mm-hmm. hardcover and get that same small number of readers, but get more money for right. it? Right. Um. But I don't know. I feel like if people knew that there were these
1: like affordable books. Mm-hmm. They might be more willing to take a chance. Well, and I think that's the idea of why Swordstone Table and Fit for the Gods were both paperback originals yeah. is that like the publisher's like, mm, maybe somebody's going to pick this up, maybe they're not, but let's price it as best we can to remove price as an obstacle to mm-hmm. somebody picking it up, which I'm like, that's fine. I don't need a hardcover. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Um, um, but there is, like, a prestige factor from, like, oldie times that goes with hardcover versus paperback that stems from genre books being in mass market and being, like, looked down on as, yes. like, public appeal, like, you know, commercial. Fiction. And romance novels. Literary, exactly. So there's a lot of, like, weird holdovers from uh, publishing. I mean,
0: publishing does love tradition. Oh, It, it sure is a does. business that is terrified of change. <laughs> uh-huh in so many ways really bad and at it too like, really really, really, really bad, bad at change it's a really uh. big
1: ship to like turn around it's, it's hard
0: um,
1: um, all right
0: what's next
1: our next question is from nate m42 any thoughts on the two big sanderson ah. profiles this year so i will tell you that i think i have read them but i also kind of don't care i know that like the wheel of time and the sanderson overlap is huge for obvious reasons right like yes obviously why um and brandon sanderson is doing some interesting things in publishing like lots of uh, like interesting self-publishing is what i want well say. i think he's doing interesting things but things that only he and yes, like four other do. people can That's do. That's right. That's right. So you can't use Sanderson as an example of like the future of publishing because you can only do the experiments that he's doing if you already have a bajillion dollars. Yes. So it's, or you don't need to make your name as a writer. I don't actually right. know how much money he has, but like, you know, if you don't need to prove your sellability or marketability, your worth as a writer, you can do whatever the hell you want yeah. for the most part. But like, you can't do that otherwise. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, I hope that what I would love to see is the way that, like, Rick Riordan has, like, in middle yes. grade, like, used yes. his notoriety to, like, bring up other authors and, yes. like, give them a foot in the door and get their names on books and get those books marketing dollars. It would be really lovely to see Sanderson do something like that for the SFF community so if that what, was a what Rick Riordan did, just so we can... Yeah, right. Um, so he's very, the writer of the Percy quick. Jackson <laughs> yeah. series, in case you don't
0: know. <laughs> very quick explanation. Yes, he wrote the Percy Jackson series, which is so good, and so I love good. it so much. Um, But he created an imprint uh, at Disney with Hyperion called Rick Riordan Presents and started pulling writers from marginalized backgrounds to write their own sort of like middle grade fantasy series. Mm-hmm. Like Roshni Choksi has the Arusha mm-hmm. series. um, mm-hmm. There's a there's several now at this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, they, Yoon ha Lee has you, a yeah. series in space that's like Kitsune fox, you know, people. They're I mean like, it's great. Yeah. They're
0: cool and they mm-hmm. they've always hit the New York Times bestseller list yes. like it's an amazing way to use your name and your clout mm-hmm. to share the spotlight and yes. send the elevator, you know, back down to other writers. So yeah, yeah. I didn't read the Sanderson profiles because mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to do that when you are, are also in the same yeah. field and just like, I'm not gonna have, like, I'm not that person. Right. right. Um. I think it's, interesting from like the standpoint of like what is possible for writers of that level because i think yes. neil gaiman is doing yeah a, yeah a kickstarter probably. and indiegogo right now for something sandman i want right. to say right um so it's interesting to see like how people are changing the perception of what publishing is mm-hmm. um sanderson included mm-hmm. yeah. but other than that I didn't, I didn't read the actual profiles, so I'm not, I don't have an opinion on those. Yeah. Uh, Uh,
1: yes. Next. I never, I don't know how to say it. I never know how to say
0: it. So it's J M R L I S Mm -hmm. (laughs) how cover art and designs get
1: chosen or assigned to a book. So I can talk about what I've experienced and then you can talk about what you've experienced. So writers do not get, uh, mostly do not get to pick their cover art or their cover art artist, in fact. Nope. Um, Sometimes they don't even get like input. The the publisher is just like, here is a cover that will go on your book. And you're like, great, thanks. Um, I... (laughs) We got input. So for Swordstone Table, Swapna and I were able to give feedback on the proposed designs. We also were asked to give, like, if you were designing one from scratch, what would you envision feet notes um, that they could ignore or not, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, as they decided. Um, And then the art department in the publishing house, uh, assigns an art director to the book, um, who then either does a design themselves sometimes, or they contract with a freelancer artist or an artist in-house to create the elements and um, create the des- the art that they will then pair fonts and, you know, other things that need to go on the cover with. So like blurbs and, you know, you got to leave space for all of these things. And that's the design portion of it. Um, And so we got presented with the art options and uh we have been very lucky actually i've been very lucky because both times for both anthologies um my feedback was like considered and there were things that nice. i was like i wish this could be changed and they did change it um which is not you know you, there's no guarantees there's no guarantees of that so we were very lucky um and for i will say for fit for the gods having been through the cover design process once i went in with like extensive notes for them. I was like, here's my beautiful (laughs) vision. Um, And I actually got it. (laughs) Which was wild, y'all. Like wild. Like I got really, like I said, it's really lucky when that happens. Um, and I was, I was very fortunate and cover designers don't get enough credit. It's also very hard to find out who designed a cover. Yes. I just did a whole SFFEI yeah episode about this. I will link to it in the show notes. We talk about it a lot. Um, and why AI is like not a great thing for cover design. Not so, a great thing for a lot of not things. Not a great thing for anything. <laughs> it's truly like not a good thing for most things. Uh, so that's my experience. Have you, you've done all kinds of different cover stuff though. Well, so
0: from working in publishing, what I can tell you is that it's way more complicated behind the scenes because you do, like the author can often like say something and Mm -hmm. have this sort of like perspective on what the cover looks like, but the cover is going to be shown in a room full of marketing people and sales people Mm -hmm. and editorial people and finance people. And everybody has an opinion And everybody will say, like, will this sell? Like, there are some publishers, I will not say who they are, but pieces of some publishers who are like, you can't have a yellow cover because yellow covers don't sell. (laughs) And (laughs) you're like, really? Never? I can never put yellow on a cover, ever? But there are these like ingrained ideas about what will and will not sell. And so that's something the designer is going up against. And and the editor also, because the editor will be there being like, I just want the best cover for this Mm -hmm. book. Um, And covers are also very trendy. You will see a lot, like right now you're seeing a lot of illustrated covers and you're seeing a lot of, you know, I can remember when that first Lux cover dropped for the Lux series, this YA series was this girl in this like beautiful dress and there was nothing else like it. Yeah. It was phenomenal. And every so often you'll get one of those where like an, a designer just like really has the room mm-hmm. to knock it out of the park with something new and interesting. And then you'll get 47 yes. series yeah. that look exactly the same yeah. because that one did so, so well.
1: <laughs> it's um, so true.
0: So, like, from the other side, it's a lot of, like, there are so many people who have opinions on, like, what works and what doesn't. And half of them will not have read the book. Right. Oh, yeah. More be, than half, probably. More than half. It'll be entirely based on history of other titles with similar like similar titles, similar uh, stories, right. similar readers, right. what appeals to them? Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's complicated on that side. And the other thing is like when a designer does promote, like does create something mm-hmm. iconic and cool, they don't get any no. uh, royalties or yeah. like the famous one, of course, is Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, that movie poster was the book cover. Mm-hmm. That book designer created that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's wild. It's, it's a whole wild experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. It's really the other thing that I just remembered that I know is true from when I was a bookseller is that um, there are certain large buyers for plate retail bookstores that I will not name. Where people marketing people will show these buyers and the they they get to choose and they are like, uh, that one. No, I hate that. I will never sell that in my stores. So, like, there are individuals who like run retail chains and do all the buying for every franchise store for that. Literally a single person, Sing one person, one and person. It's like, I hate that cover can tank a cover. They we, can-
0: <laughs> I remember hearing um a book. There was a bookseller. A very, very, very big bookseller. This is a long time ago, though, so it's like I don't even sure, think yeah. that person is still there. But they didn't like a cover, and the publisher pulped, meaning they got rid of oh every God. galley. They trashed it and reprinted. Yeah, because
1: a Just galley being person. like an early
0: version of the book. Because one person was like, "We don't like it. We won't. Pl- we won't sell it mm-hmm. if this is what the cover looks like." Ooh, <laughs> it was wild. Bananas
1: bananas uh all right speaking of booksellers <laughs> oh boy so mike sadai says uh was interested in hearing us talk about the dominance of amazon how it has Ugh. affected us in writing and publishing do we take it into account when we're thinking about products where is the industry heading where would we like it to head instead given amazon's dominance um and also to ask another like loaded question <laughs> what are our thoughts about the merging of My publishers like penguin random house and simon and Schuster just got blocked from getting bought by them and now has been bought by a private equity equity firm that is actually, like, also terrible. So there were no good outcomes on that one. I know.
0: (gasps) I mean, I think, unfortunately, it's a a larger issue of, like, what are... society looks like which is a focus on constant unsustainable growth yes. versus just sustainability and doing the work that you do mm-hmm. and making enough money to sustain that work mm-hmm. um amazon is a problem like it just is it mm-hmm. has diminished the perceived value of books it's harder than ever to make a living with books mm-hmm. because of that because people thanks to amazon saying a book is worth this much money mm-hmm. You should not spend more than this. It has artificially lowered the perception of what a book costs mm-hmm. to make. Which, again, even as they
1: get more expensive to make because of yes. paper shortages and supply chain issues and all of these things, people are willing to spend less, but books cost more. Mm-hmm. So it's like a vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah, and they're not. It's it's hard.
0: Book selling is at least. You know, I don't know. I'm sure you remember this, but mm. there was like this death knell for independent bookstores that has been ringing for <laughs> who even knows how long but yeah independent bookstores are they do they are sustainable and they they have managed to stay alive through through despite Amazon's every mm, effort every to be the only and sole bookseller yeah um because there is a service provided by specificity mm-hmm. You know, like people get into books because we love it and booksellers get into books because they love it. Mm -hmm. And you
1: can that's how you sell a book. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Amazon also has contributed to the discoverability issues, which have always been a problem. Like discoverability, when you're talking about it in publishing, just means like how will a reader discover this book? Like, how will they find it? Will they see it on a table Mm -hmm. at a bookstore in their neighborhood? Will they see an ad for it? Will they, you know, will it get recommended to them by a friend? Will it get recommended to them by an algorithm? Mm -hmm. And the way that Amazon has loaded its algorithm down with promotional like pay for play has absolutely destroyed that aspect as well. Um, they used to have a much more mm-hmm. user oriented algorithm that actually did like take into account what genuine like real people were buying and were interested in. But then they monetized it because they again, growth, dominance, money. Um, and now it's it's garbage. Like uh, we all know this, like this is not It's it's just a yeah. garbage algorithm full of like you know nonsense recommendations. Um, I will say that it was a rude awakening for me because when I was a bookseller, I worked in indie bookstores, uh, and I didn't have to play nice with Amazon ever. Like yeah. we, we like and were now... loud and proud about how much we hated Amazon. And now I'm still loud about it, but like also such a huge percentage of all sales for any book come from there, come from Amazon. So like I rely on Amazon as a person who puts books out into the world that I want people to read because that's how a lot of readers get their books. And there's not like and there are reasons why, you know, maybe you don't have a bookstore locally. Maybe you genuinely can't afford to pay list price for a book. That's real. Like that. Those are real things. Or maybe the convenience is important to you. Also real. Um, The problem is, is that because they have made themselves the only game in town for convenience and price Mm -hmm. and driven a lot of bookstores out of business business so that you no longer have one in your neighborhood that you could walk over and grab something from they've made themselves the only game in town which then makes them have outsized power so well, it's very difficult it's
0: it's hard it is hard um what's nice is i think two options again the onus is not i think on people who have to use amazon no, like it, no. like we fully understand there yes. you have like you don't have other options but if you do like if you can afford it mm-hmm. or if you have access libraries are amazing for writers people don't always know but if you like it's I fully love when someone is like I requested your book from my local library Mm -hmm. awesome that is a plus work we love it uh and then bookshop.org is a great way to use like get your books from independent bookstores even if you don't have one in your Mm -hmm. town indie stores these days will ship all over the country Mm -hmm. so bookshop.org is a great way to like find an independent bookstore to buy that book if you can afford to do so
1: hmm. Yeah. And then there are alternatives to Amazon. I get all my used books from thrift books, which is yeah. like, you know, not like out here trying to put anybody out of business <laughs> they cost more than they would on amazon but they're still used and they're still cheaper than getting them from you know full price when it's something that i'm like eh, i don't need to own like a fancy or like i just want right. like i just need a copy i just I'm need like, a copy of this i book. just need a copy of you know the dragon reborn i don't need <laughs> to pay 29.99 for it um so yes so i as a reader I I get a I get a ton of books from the library, both physical Same. and digital, which you'll have noticed if you've ever looked at my Instagram. Um, I buy books from exclusively from independent bookstores or mm-hmm. from thrift books when I just want to use copy and it's not a big deal where the money goes. Um, and I'm privileged to do that. I know enough about how things work. I have the income, I've figured out my budgets like I can do it. Um, and, but it takes a lot of like, you know, you, Amazon has also made it so easy to order from them that you actually have to try harder to do literally anything else. So I want to yeah. acknowledge that it does take more work and knowledge to not support Amazon than it does to buy from them, Yeah. whether or not you're intending to support them.
0: Also they <laughs> own Goodreads, hard. Yeah, they do. which is so frustrating because I, I loved Goodreads. I haven't used yes. it since Amazon bought it. Um, yeah. But it is, Goodreads is also extremely important in the industry, which is so frustrating. So terrible. (laughs) Uh, All right. But, anyway, let's not get anyways. into the
1: Goodreads rabbit Sorry. hole. Sorry, like, no, you're not wrong. Um, so where we would like it to head instead, diversity is better always and forever yes. in all ways and all forms, including in the retail ecosystem and the publisher the ecosystem. publishing side. Yeah, yes, it's really not great that all of these publishers are merging. It's not it's good not. for authors. It's nope. not good for readers. I don't care what arguments they're making about it; it's not good. Um, more, so, is yeah. more, more is, is better. More is better. More is more in this case. There are
0: great small presses doing so very cool great work. Many great small presses, yes. Um, so definitely check. Like if you just like look, there there are small press organizations, mm-hmm. and, and so you can usually find a small press, or a small press that like specializes in every kind of genre. Yes. So if you want to specifically support small presses, there are options. Yeah um okay we have two more two more from Banimi. what to consider when looking for an agent pros and cons of small indie presses versus one of the big although big of. Five? big
1: four big four big three, at this big point? three. i think it's four uh-huh. still i think it's four i think it's four um, um yeah so what to consider when looking for an agent you don't pay your agent I think there are some very basic like bad advice things out on the internet. So anybody who says that you have to pay them to represent you is lying to you. A good agent takes a cut from your book deal when you get a book deal and they edit you and like help you as a writer and send those books out to publishers In the hopes of getting a cut of that money when they sell it. You do not pay them for any of those services up front. Yep. Never. Never. That is a scam. It's a scam. They're not doing anything for you. So Um, an agent is taking a cut of your book sale when they make it.
0: Yes. Uh, Also consider communication styles, working styles, and they should be excited about the work you do. They should get it. They they should should be clear that they get it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you'll have agents who are excited for other reasons, but it should always, because that is the thing you care about, Mm -hmm. is your work. They should be excited about what you're writing. Um, And then in terms of, like, communication styles and working styles, like, when I was looking for an agent, I was like, I'm pretty disorganized. So (laughs) I need somebody who's going to, maybe not be as disorganized.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I needed somebody who understood the industry. Cause I'm like, I get like publishing on the like book selling side and the reader side, but I don't know how to negotiate and read a contract. Like yeah. I need you to be like super good at contracts is what I wanted. And my agent Kate is amazing at contracts. So, um, I think that's important. I also want to give you the advice of, cause queering for agents sucks. Listen, it's the it's worst. So hard. It's so hard. It's so much work. It's really, really frustrating. Do it the same way that Allison Green from Ask a Manager tells you to apply to jobs. Send a bunch of them out and assume you're not going to hear back. Like, don't be waiting because all you're doing is setting yourself up for frustration. And then when you do hear back, it will be like such a lovely, delightful (laughs) surprise. So like send a ton of queries out. Never stop querying. I know this is terrible, but this is how you get a job and this is how you get an agent. You have to keep sending them out until you find the one that is going to like get you and respond to you and not ask you for money that they don't deserve.
0: And if you're looking for resources, uh, 3R, Jen's agent, Kate McKean, has an amazing sub stack. Yes. Uh Eric Smith, Eric Smith Brocks.com, yes. I think is Eric's yes. u- uh, URL. I'll he double has, check it, but yeah. He always has good advice. He's doing blog posts on like ways to query, specific mm-hmm. to like fiction, nonfiction. Um, and then Jen Lofren, literati yes. cat on Tumblr, how always has very great um FAQs where people will write in their questions about Mostly children's for her, yeah. um, but those are three excellent agent resources if you are looking for an agent.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Uh, And then pros and cons of small indie presses versus one of the big five. So this is an interesting question because Prithi and I talk a lot about (laughs) what we get and would like to get and don't get from big five publishing or big four publishing at this point. And here's my take on indie versus traditional or big. Indie versus big. Let's go with that. An indie press is not going to have as much money to offer you for a book deal. No. Nope. However, you will be a bigger fish in a tinier pond. Mm-hmm. So, they're not likely to be publishing as many books. They're not likely to be juggling as many authors. Um and they are more likely to want to really push your book because every book counts for them. Whereas with traditional publishers, they're relying on Brandon Sanderson to float like 1500 other books um, in their book, in their like, you know, accounting system. So one, you know, Stephen King book pays for a bunch of others for a big publisher, but that's not true for tiny presses. So they are probably going to pay you a lot more attention, but you're not going to get that much money. Uh, So that's, that's what I see the biggest obvious trade-off as. I think that's right. I yeah. think
0: that's that's just that's just right yep.
1: And <laughs> um, a lot of small presses will help you build a following so that then a big publisher will throw money at you, which is what happened to several authors that I know that's very, <laughs> and, also very true. <laughs> and that can be nice too. So you know it sucks for the small presses, but uh, it's part of the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, last last question from Brendan um is the sff publishing industry better or worse compared to when when we started yes like us personally when we
1: started oh out when in we started yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. who i like translated these for the <laughs> no, agenda good. i didn't just copy and paste <laughs> them <laughs> Which is probably what I should have done. Sorry.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> um, or whatever combination of better slash worse makes sense.
1: Like, is it better or worse for readers? Is it better writers, agents, publishers? Got whatever. it, got it, got it. For SFF specifically. For SFF specifically. It's a loaded it's, question.
0: It's hard because it goes, publishing often also much like covers goes in trends. Yes. You'll have years where, what the what's big is genre is mm-hmm. science fiction or is fantasy Um, you know for a few years in YA like dark fantasy was yes. the big thing obviously we all know like what a phenomenon twilight was mm-hmm. um, or then it you know after like fangirl the rainbow Rowell, yes. it was like contemporary romance yes. was the big thing right Um, or eleanor and park i should say mm. but it was there were I feel like it's it's hard to speak to like like I do think SFF is more mainstream than it's ever been before. 100 percent.
1: I mean it has a lot more street cred if you will like it has become much more um yeah mainstream is is exactly the right word uh and and it's getting attention in um certainly like review places that it didn't used to and things are getting adapted that would not have probably been adapted although you know there's all these other issues with (laughs) the film industry (laughs) so (laughs) you know hooray for the strikers like keep up the good work um so but it we are seeing more of that I do also think I mean it has been hard fought and we still have so far to go but we are seeing more authors who have been traditionally marginalized getting awards getting on final lists yeah if not actually winning the awards um getting some book deals although again it's really common knowledge that marginalized authors do not get the same numbers for their book deals as uh white authors or otherwise you know mainstream um authors do so it's i mean there's always more to, to more Room there's to- there's
0: always more room to to grow and and
1: more to do, but
0: there is something to be said of like major adaptations happening for yeah. like major fantasies and yeah. sci-fi and science fiction series, um, and what how that sort of like takes the trend and puts it onto books because it means publishers will be more willing to spend money on on genre fiction
1: yes Um, i have a literal example of that actually so nisi shawl wrote this amazing uh alternate history called Everfair that's like kind of steampunky but like not it's not steampunk um there's steam technology in it but it's like it's really in depth and incredible um and that came out like you know ages ago i can't remember like sometime in like the 2010s um and they had a sequel planned but couldn't sell ah. it and then after black panther came out they were able to sell that's the sequel awesome. because suddenly everybody was interested in like black focused african focused alternative history cool put us into black panther territory yeah so like that's like a really concrete example of mm-hmm. what it means when you know marvel makes a movie that centers black characters and an african country yeah. And then somebody can sell a book that they've been trying to sell for 10 years.
0: Oh, that's so cool. So I guess we're, we are in a better place, I think, both as readers and as writers. Yeah. Um, Publishing is, publishing in general, I think, is in the same place as all media is right now, which Mm -hmm. is not great because it has been so consistently devalued, again, like, a lot of different creative places, whether it's music or TV or like mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. has been artificially devalued to the consumer. Yes, And that just makes it hard for everybody yes. to make a living. Yeah,
1: um, Right. There's like so many great things being published across media today that are not getting marketing support, that are not getting in front of mm-hmm. viewers, that are not getting the creators aren't getting paid because of the way that those... Uh, channels have been those distribution channels have been structured to make all the money go to a very small slice of who owns those channels those distribution channels and not to the people who are actually making this stuff so like there's better stuff than ever but in a lot of cases it's hard to find it's getting canceled book contracts aren't getting renewed series are getting going out of print when the readership is there they just don't know about the book or they can't get it yeah and the viewership is the same thing so it's we're in a very it's, difficult moment it's it's weird it's yeah. weird and both and yeah. so
0: the best thing that i think people can do is talk about the stuff you like tell your friends yes. about the stuff you like get yes. them to pick it up that is the that has always been the number one yes. way to uh success for mm-hmm. i think anybody but books since we're talking about books um is word of mouth word of mouth yes. is 100% the number one way a book will be successful. So talk it up. Be loud with what you love. Shout
1: about your favorites.
0: (laughs) Uh, That feels like a much more positive note to end this Q&A on. Uh, so, this has been the intermission of <laughs> Tarval and bus because I have to finish writing and editing this book, but it's, I'm turning it in on Friday. Yeah, you are. That it's, that it's done and I can be a real person again and we That's will be right. back. We will. What are we back with? I don't remember. Ooh, Winter's uh, Heart.
1: Yeah, is that what we're reading? Winter's Heart chapters 13 through 18. Perfect. That is yes. what we will be talking about
0: the next time you hear from us. Um, In the meantime, where
1: can people find you? Uh, I am on, as I mentioned before, Book Riot's SFF Yeah podcast, talking about all things science fiction and fantasy. Um, I am on Blue Sky and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And I'm on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And Fit for the Gods is out in bookstores right now. Libraries too. I My friend sent me a picture of it on a library <laughs> shop the other day and I was so happy. Um, and if you like Greek mythology retellings, you will love it. It's True. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um,
0: you can find me nowhere. Just kidding. You can find me <laughs> on social media at Roman Skizzers. But more importantly, my book Spider Man Social Dilemma comes out next week, which is wild <laughs> on Tuesday. Please, did I say social dilemma? That's not right. That's the first book. It's called Spider Man's Bad Connection. That's what it is. <laughs> Comes out next week on Tuesday. Uh, If you're in the Atlanta area, I will be at the Brave and Kind Bookshop, um, which is near Decatur. Celebrating, we're gonna talk about Spider Man. It's gonna be fun. And uh, also my Gambit and Rogue series is currently running on the Marvel Unlimited app, and that last issue drops next week. So there's a new one tomorrow. Um, in the meantime, yeah, on all social at Run with Skizzers. Um, if you, I'm doing this all over the place. Sorry, my brain is not good today. Uh, if you pre order Spider Man's Bad Connection from Brave and Kind Bookstore, I will sign it. So we will put a link in the show notes. Um,
1: okay, yeah, I'm done. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on Patreon, uh, slash tarvalon or bust. A huge thank you to our patrons, NT. Jennifer P. Anastasia L. Jessica D. Laura M. Brandon
0: Spencer Jarvis Jonathan Bruce L. Benjamin A. The Bitter Fig Nate M. Joanna S.
1: James C. Druidus Cleodna Ross J. Stevani Joseph E, Johanna R, Christina M, Lizzie R, Kate G, Erica, Ariel, Holly B, Elizabeth M, Ryan M, Zach H, Eleanor, Justin H, Fred, Robin, Lisa D, Jordan
0: Z, Greg G, Saga N, Josh S,
1: Robert J, Ben P, g todd p footy ross p tobin t megan david n ariel b amy a michael linnea m lindsey w julie danielle g dan b john a clara h carly brendan o
0: mary caroline p joe e james k Mathis Joseph S., Ryan M., Sarah R., Helen D., Joshua M., Michael D.,
1: M. Lethem, Janae H., Jennifer P., Christina G., Chaitali S., Charlie E., Arcade, Stephen S., James, Ruth A., Jetlag Jessica, Mandarb, the girl, not the horse, David U., Maradim, Mimi K., Amanda, Heather J, Christina M, Malia H, Keith, Sirius G, Olivia
0: K, Joshua S, Nicholas E, Michelle S, Michelle D, Destination Toast, MJ, Kat S, Jericho W, Thomas K, Elizabeth F, Emily, Evans K, Ola J, Yulia S, Brian D. This episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the wheel of time or deadlines. (laughs) (laughs) But it is an ending. (laughs) Bye.